0: Reliability of the New Testament, inspired by James White and Bart Ehrman debate, by Lawrence Miles. Let's start by painting a broad picture of the New Testament's transmission. After Jesus departed and sent his Holy Spirit, disciples went on proclaiming his name. That was done by teaching through the word of mouth and through the letters and scripture itself. Now, we know that we can trust the Old Testament, because Jesus vigorously quoted from it. And the New Testament that we now have was copied and distributed even during the life of Paul, or at least during the life of those who knew Paul. Throughout different lines of transmission, these letters, apostle works, and four Gospels were transmitted throughout the history directly to our hands. course, during the history, due to the passage of time, wars, looting, and other factors, understandably, many copies were lost or destroyed. Especially one has to keep in mind that the beginning of Christianity was baptized by the prosecution and destruction of Christian literature. Hence, the transmission underwent an uncontrolled, unedited, and uncentralized process. Because of this, any viable theological, or dogmatical change, is just not possible. And this is exactly what we find in our manuscript tradition. Regarding the variations, the majority of what we find when we account for viability are scribal errors, which, again, we are able to notice only because of our sheer wealth of copies. If we had a control transmission, like the one that we have with the Qur'an, then we would expect to only have a few variant copies. But because the New Testament was freely transmitted, we have multiple copies, understandably, with many scribal errors. But where 99% of those variations either can't uh, be translated to English or does not change the meaning of the text, and those few variations that do are well known and documented, Anytime you open a new, newer edition Bible like ESV or NIV, you will find footnotes uh, at, at the bottom of the page or at the top of the page which tell you, the reader, if there are any variations in our manuscript edition. So it's it's not hidden, it's well known. You just have to know where where to look and what you're looking for. Now, the beautiful way to put it is like this. The Bible is like a thousand-piece puzzle. But instead of having thousand pieces, we have one thousand and one. We have all the original writings of Paul, Luke, Mark, plus we have variations which were caused by problems concerning that particular age like literacy, uh, prosecution, and low resources. Thus we can know with confidence that what we have in our Bible today is the Word of God, faithfully represented throughout the manuscript tradition. All the variants are listed in critical editions of the text, the most important of which is the Novum Testament Grace, which is the basis of most modern translations. For over 250 years, Christian scholars have argued that no textual variant affects the key Christian doctrines. <laughs> The New Testament documents have a staggering quantity of manuscript attestation. Approximately 5,800 Greek manuscripts containing all or part of the New Testament. 8,000 manuscript copies of the Vulgate, that is a Latin translation of the Bible done by Jerome from 382 to 405 AD and more than 350 copies of Syriac uh, or Christian Aramaic versions of the New Testament, uh, which uh, those originated from 150 to 250 AD. Besides this, virtually the entire New Testament could be reproduced from citations contained in the works of the early church fathers. There are some 32,000 citations in the writings of the fathers prior to the Council of Nicaea. The dates of the manuscript copies range from early in the 2nd century to the time of the Reformation. And many of the manuscripts are early. For example, the John Rylands Manuscript, about 120 AD. It was found in Egypt and contains a few verses from the Gospel of John. The Chester Beatty Papyri, 200 AD. It contains major portions of the New Testament. Codex Sinaiticus, 350 AD. It contains virtually all the New Testament, and Codex Vaticanus 325 AD, it contains almost the entire Bible. It shows that the text we currently possess is an accurate representation of the original New Testament documents. Most historians accept the textual accuracy of other ancient works on far less adequate manuscript grounds than is available for the New Testament, To say that what we possess are copies of copies so far removed from anything that might be called a primary account is plain ignorant. In comparison, the time frame of Caesar's, Plato's, Tacitus and Aristotle's primary accounts to the earliest copies we have add up to over 1000 years. And the number of those copies varies only from 5 to 20. Several reasons can be offered for trusting the Bible's claims. First, a document should be assumed trustworthy, unless, under the burden of proof, it is shown to be unreliable. This is because Immanuel Kant showed long ago a general presumption of lying is self-refuting, since if such a presumption is universalized, meaning one always assumes someone is lying, lying becomes then pointless, for lying is impossible without a general presumption of truth-telling. Second, such a presumption of truth-telling is especially strong if the eyewitness passes these tests. He is able to tell the truth, he is willing to do so, he is accurately reported, and there is external corroboration of his testimony. And I have already shown that the New Testament eyewitnesses are accurately reported in the manuscript tradition, and I could also allude to external confirmation of the New Testament, namely archaeological evidence, but I will not spend time listing them right now because every piece of evidence would by itself itself, uh, require a separate episode. But it seems clear for me that the New Testament writers were able and willing to tell the truth, They had very little to gain and much to lose for their efforts. For one thing, they were mostly Jewish theists. To change the religion of Israel with its observance of the Mosaic law, Sabbath-keeping, sacrifices, would be to risk the damnation of their own souls to hell. A modern atheist may not worry about such a thing, but members of the early church surely did. Furthermore, the apostles lived lives of great hardship, stress, and affliction. They were prosecuted, tortured, and killed for their convictions. There is no adequate motive for their labors other than the sincere desire to proclaim what they witnessed to be the truth. And third, the presence of adverse eyewitnesses would have hampered the spread of Christianity. For Christianity began and remained for some time in the same area where Jesus had ministered. So, if the early portrait of him was untrue, how could the apostles have succeeded there, and why would they have begun there in the first place? Throughout this whole collection of books runs one main theme and one message. It is filled with Countless fulfilled prophecies, testimonies, and historical attested events. And also archaeology time and time again confirmed the historical reliability of the New Testament. Hence we have accurate and attested eyewitness accounts, numerous prophecies fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ, and groundbreaking, world-changing faith which shaped our history. No one in history made those kind of waves, which still ripple all around us except the one who was, who is, and who is to come.